two experts, one show, and everything Riverland football. Seriously, who writes these scripts? <laughs> what is this, amateur hour? Well, at least they love the game. And maybe a... Responsibly, of course. The Kick-Ons Podcast with Lions and Dillo. For MB Roller Doors, installation, servicing and repairs. Lobston vanquished the grand finalists, causing a reshuffling of the top four and adding another layer of intrigue to season 2022. Welcome to the Kick-Ons Podcast, brought to you by MB Roller Doors for installation, sales and service. I'm your host, Brennan Lyons, and joining me is a very well-travelled Nick Dillon over the last few weeks. Mate, you've been a busy boy. Yeah, been very busy. Well, trips to Adelaide and back, but of course, got across to the uh, the game at Loxton on Sunday, or the games, I should say. And um, we were treated to uh, three fantastic games. And uh, obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but um, well done to all involved. Indeed, it was. And uh, yeah, kind of rippling right throughout the football community that big day at Loxton Oval. But, mate, um, before we get to all that, uh, we got uh, another huge show lined up. Uh, we got some big guests. In fact, we'll talk with. Uh, Tigers for Jesse Will about that huge win uh, in the Sandville Curtain Razor on Sunday a little bit later, plus a very rare appearance. In fact, this is a huge get for the Kick-Ons podcast, in fact. We're going to talk with Wonka legend Shane Schulz, and he'll be joining us to chat all things independent football and Wonka and his absolute stellar career to date. So we can't wait for that one, can we, Dillo? It's been a long time coming. He doesn't do media interviews at all, Schultz. And, you know, we've managed to procure this one. So, you know, we feel very privileged to have the great man on board. And I'm glad we're doing it over Zoom and not face to face because I'd probably end up very sore if um, we're together. But we'll talk about a bit more about that later. <laughs> Mate. Uh, yeah, I'll just tease a little bit. I hope you bought your nipple tape for this one. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, we'll get to that, uh, plus all your favourite segments and your comments from the Marks Up Facebook page this week. Remember, you can keep up to date every week downloading the Kick-Ons podcast on the Spotify and Apple podcast networks and through the Marks Up Facebook page. And remember that... If your business would like to advertise on our growing social media network, get in touch with our ads team at marksupriverland at gmail.com. But look, Dillo, let's get into it, mate. I was uh, busy on another broadcast uh, last weekend, but you were there. Tell us all about it, mate. It must have been electric to be down there at Loxton Oval. It really was. It was a it was a huge crowd, one of the biggest crowds I've ever seen in Riverland football. And I've obviously been to you know, most of the grand finals over the past 20-odd years and um, it was just, yeah, it was electric. The um, the crowd really started to build for the A-grade game at Loxton v Wakery. And by the time the uh, Sanford match started, it was just at, at, at its peak. And I believe it was around the 3,800 mark, pretty close to 4,000, which is just just huge. And, and what it meant, um, you know, for the community, obviously, to be able to honour Russell um, and his family as well being there, um, was, you know, you can't put a value on that. So, um yeah, it was just well done to all involved. The Loxham Football Club did a tremendous job. Um, West Adelaide Football Club and hosting fantastic effort from Port Adelaide to come up and um, and everything I'm hearing from those two clubs is that yeah, it was um, they're wrapped with how the day went. And I watched a little bit of the broadcast uh, Channel 7's footage uh, live, which is great. You know, a live football game broadcast into Adelaide for the local <laughs> audience. It was just fantastic. It looked great. And the atmosphere looked like 
it it just looked fantastic. Like Loxton Oval was dressed up to the to the nines for this one, and uh, look, the local community really delivered, and you could feel the atmosphere on the TV, mate. I I got to say, it looked great. Yeah, it really was like a, a grand final type atmosphere, and um, something that uh, you know I'm sure everyone was happy with, and like. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, West Adelaide, um, you know, it was a big gate for them. I know that um, they were extremely happy. So hopefully that means, yeah, we get more events like this coming up here to the Riverland moving forward. And the feedback I'm hearing, I was working on another broadcast. I say that a lot on here, but in this case, uh, this was on uh, one of the, the leading uh, drive time sports shows in Adelaide this week. We actually had a caller come on and uh, she was actually at the game, travelled all the way from Adelaide to watch her Port Adelaide play, and she was absolutely gushing for the day that Loxton had put on. Um, spoke very highly of the atmosphere, the community involvement, uh, even to the, the point of the catering. It was really encouraging to hear that from someone in Adelaide, mate. And I speak, I think that speaks volumes, to be honest. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it- it's funny, I guess you, you think of sample teams, you think that when they come up here, they're going to go, oh, you know, we don't want to go out to the country. But the facilities at Loxton are first class. Now, the new district is amazing, but even the oval, you know, people were just amazed at how big the oval was and talking about fitting another oval, you know, going widthways across the middle. So that's how, how big it is out there. And um, and just, you know, it looked, looked immaculate as well. So the... I think I think the Riverland and, and the Loxham Football Club and, and everything involved, I reckon they might have surprised a few people who came up from town to see the game. And, that, yeah, I think you're right. They would have been very happy with what they um, came away with. Yeah, and we should mention the result as well because um, it was a, a big game in the context of both sides, actually. Uh, Port Adelaide getting the win there, 15-15-105 to West Adelaide, 12-9-81. And uh, also, we need to mention his big homecoming as well, John O'Beach, Caden Brand as well. Yeah, it was really good for those guys to get back and, uh, you know, know, play at home and play in front of family as well. They had a lot of family and friends come across for it. Um, Even Tom Keogh from from Pinaroo, the skipper, um, you know, it was great great for those guys to be able to play in in the region that they uh, they grew up and and played their footy in. and you know what is the other side of it? You got the, some of those uh, other ex AFL players like Charlie Dixon and Xavier Dersma running around out there yeah. as well, and um, young Frederick as well. Um, and uh, you know the crowd was going wild for them. You know, especially the kids were very excited about Charlie Dixon being there. So yeah. um, everyone was the winner on the day. And what about the pressure of Xavier Dersma carrying the number seven in the tribute match? And he turned it on, didn't he? He did turn it on, and so he should because he is, he is a star player and has obviously been underperforming in, in the AFL team, but great to see him come back, find some form, and, and wearing that number seven in the uh, in the Magpies colours would, would have been pretty special. Yeah, it would have, and he definitely did it justice, mate. So, yeah, hopefully, um, we you know, everybody that has got together, put their colours aside to get behind a massive day at Loxton Oval. We've put Riverland football on the map. And he is hoping for next year that uh, we'll be doing this all again, mate. I got a sneaking suspicion it will. Um, yeah, pretty pretty certain it will. Just the uh, you know the fact that there was that many people come through the gate. It's much bigger than your regular sample crowd, I'm sure. Yes, there was a fair bit of work involved, but um, you know, it's a credit to everyone involved that, that went off so well. And I'm sure West Adelaide will definitely be wanting to come back to the Riverland in the future. Yes, well, and the other news of the week, a bit more harder news here. Uh, Just out today, the SA Football Commission has approved the removal of the COVID-19 vaccination policy for Sandful competitions and talent pathways, effective 
immediately. Now, that came out this afternoon, so some breaking news here on the Kick-Ons podcast. So, finally, Dillo, it feels like a weight off everyone's shoulders, doesn't it? It does, and it's big news because there are a couple of young fellas that are in the talent pathway for West Adelaide that have been able to... Been, have been unable to be part of the program because of um, the policy. And the policy is there for a reason. It was to protect everyone. And, and now that we're at this this point, that means it can be lifted, which is fantastic. And now these guys can hopefully resume their um, you know, the talent pathway and get back into things because there's a couple of guys I know that are really quite talented uh, footballers and we'd like to see them um, you know, back in, back in the program as, as quickly as we can. That's right. So we just hope that opens the whole gates for everything. And you, as we know, if things are, are going well at the top levels, they filter down to local levels. So um, it's great to hear that bit of news today. But, mate, let's jump into it. And uh, we've got plenty to talk about after a big weekend of Riverland football here. So let's jump into our round review from round five uh, here on the Kick-Ons podcast. Thanks to MB Rollerdoors. Give Mick a call on 0422 652 987 today for all your roller door needs. Now, let's just kick off with the big one. Loxton, wow, they really upset some apple carts in the top four, didn't they? They did. It was a, it was a massive win. And we'll talk to Jesse a little bit about um, what it means for their season, but it just really felt like it was it was real. You know, last year they got off to that great start. Everything was new and, um, you know, they got, got those five wins in a row. But this one felt real. And, you know, they did it without Luke Harder. They did it without John Fisher. They did it without Jack Evans. And yes, Wakefield got players out too. But Loxton were the, let's make no mistake about it, Loxton were the dominant team on the day. And um, I guess the, on the other side of it, Wakery, some of Wakery's players were down on the day and they definitely will improve as well. And they've, they've got guys to come back too. So, but for Loxton, I think it, um, that, that game meant a lot more to them than it did to Wakery. Yeah, indeed it and especially like, you know, we talked that last season and a little bit of this season around the questions of depth, but when you, for Loxton, but when you see like young Harley Campbell come in, it that's just exciting, must be uh, for everyone down there at Tigerland. Yeah, definitely. You love seeing the youngster come in and be able to do a job and to be able to do it on that stage as well in front of 3,000 odd people um, and, and play the way he did uh, was terrific. So, you know, he's, um, he's in the system as well, so I'd expect him to to um, go places with his footy too but you know for Loxton to have him on the weekend and and um, you know for him to play well was a you know, it's a it's a feather in the cap for the young fella yeah, it certainly is and a big a bit of a lift up forward with a, another option but all around the ground it was a very comprehensive effort by the Tigers uh, look Looking at the Wakery side of things, look, uh, they they don't lie down at all. You know, even no. with Matt Spensley resting up front, uh, still a, a bit of a carryover, I believe, from last week, still mm-hmm. easing him back in. Look, maybe that would have changed the context of the game a bit. Not not just saying it just relies on one player, but obviously his um, influence in the mid can't go unnoticed. But yeah, I I just think uh, Wakery, yeah, it it just felt like it was a. Uh, one that got away from them, and and it started a little bit early, but they just couldn't reel in the Tigers that just kept at it. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's playing in front of a big crowd like that makes a big difference. So you know, you'd like to say it doesn't, but that, that would have been buoyed by that crowd because it was it would have been ninety percent Loxton supporters to ten percent Wakery. There was a very strong home contingent there. Um, you know, I, I think going forward, that that may be the way Wakery go anyway with Matt Spensley up forward and playing more. Give him more game time up up in the in the forward fifty, particularly when you got Brendan Moons come into the side again. You got Tim Bevan to come back. Um, 
and it might just be that maybe pinch hits in the middle rather than and spends more time in there and um, because he's such a dangerous player up forward. So, um, but was it one thing I did want to touch on, mate? Did you see Nathan Flight's goal from the boundary of the check side? I did, mate. I, I was hanging on to that because I think we should talk to Jesse about that because he was involved in the assist yes. that started that goal. But we'll, well, we'll save it for a bit later then. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, but but still, mate, now chime in because I thought it was a great, uh, in terms of uh, Nathan Flight coming back to A-grade football, what a way. Oh, it was. I mean, he came. He was the Lucada replacement, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. That, that big, big, solid full forward that comes out and, and just meets the footy head on, and and he did a fantastic job coming in, and uh, I think he kicked three goals, three. And but that one there was just a, a, a team lifter, and, and it got the crowd right into the game then as well. The the cheer was was huge from from everyone. And then it was funny though the ball went down the other end afterwards, and, and Maddie Spencer kicked a yeah. really fantastic goal as That's well. Right. So we were treated to a couple of rippers. I think it was the best quality game I've seen of the year. And, you know, between you and I, we've watched a fair bit of them doing the stats and everything, but that was the best quality game I've seen this year. Yeah, I think so. And you have to tip your hat to both clubs, you know, being able to deliver such a high-quality game on the day that a lot of eyes were watching Riverland football, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it's just fantastic, that that game, I thought. And, yeah, it was um, probably one that I I think it's going to take some topping uh, for the rest of the season to beat. Yep, agreed, mate. Yep. So let's move along to the next game. Uh, not as um, tight as uh, the one we've just spoken about, but Berry absolutely demolishing Loxton North, 19-16-130 to North, 3-6-24. Now, mate, the big thing I took away from this, we spoke with the roaming pig, Tom Finlay, a couple of weeks ago, and he gave mm-hmm. us a little bit of intel on what Berry is want to achieve with their ball movement, this sexy ball movement. Mm-hmm. And I thought we saw a very clear example of what they're trying to achieve. It, it, it was very quick ball movement. It was um, a lot of it was uncontested, but they were able to move the ball from one end to the, of the ground to the other with ease, weren't they? Um, and sometimes that comes down to opposition. A bit locks North very young and, um, you know, sort of towards the end of each quarter, they sort of dropped off, and Barry really took advantage of that. They kicked a lot of late goals in each quarter, um, but it was it was great to watch, and um, you know, it is you know completely contrasted from Barry of previous eras where it has been very dour, you know, hard hard football trying to stop the opposition from scoring. This looks like a Barry team that wants to get on the scoreboard, and uh, they've got a forward line to do it. I'll tell you, tell you who I was impressed with was Michael Voigt. Probably roaming up the ground a little bit more, but he, he got a fair chunk of chunk of the footy um, and played some some. He just had a really important role up there in the forward line, not necessarily kicking all the goals. Obviously, Jason Wesley got on to to the end of a few, and so did Maddie Hodge. But um, I really like Voidy's game. Yeah, yeah, some great delivery and setup, which is uh, something you wouldn't expect from Voidy's uh, previous role as a defender. So it looks like he's adapting well, mm. not just so much as a lead out, but you know, that little bit more of a half-forward half role in there as well. And I think um, I've got egg on my face. I raised some concerns about Luke Teasdale leaving the game early against Renmark there uh, with some injury. And didn't he put all that to rest? And we'll talk about that a bit later in in our Dream Stats chat. But, yeah, Luke Teasdale just back at his best. 
Yeah, he's a jet. He was he was everywhere. Like we mentioned, Wesley kicking six goals. Matty, that was mostly from the midfield, but Matty Hodge playing a bit more of a forward role as well, spending some time up there, um, almost out of the square, I think, and he kicked four as well. So they've got some options now, Barry. Indeed. And on, the, on the other side of things as well, Lindsay, that, you know, I really want to mention uh, the young fellow Caleb Coney again. I know you mentioned oh, him yeah. last week, but he had a terrific game on the weekend. Uh, um, just He's just got that X factor about him. And um, as a North supporter, it's something to get really excited about um, this young fella. And I'm just looking, trying to look for his stats now through our uh, big big page of stats we've got here, mate, but I can't <laughs> seem to seem our, to find him. But Our marks up <laughs> statometer, you mean? Yeah, the statometer. Um, but he had an absolute. Oh, here we go. Found him. So he had twenty touches on the weekend, um, which is you know, that's that's re- remarkable for such a young fellow. And he's the sort of guy who's going to be an impact player too. So whenever he gets, he might only get fifteen or twenty, but when he gets, he's going to make the most of it too. So he, very exciting game from the young fella. Yeah, that's right. And there was a, a you know both proud brothers uh, weren't playing as well, so it was a a real chance for the younger brigade to step up. Look, they fell well short. Um, that that I think we have to acknowledge that. And that was one of the things we talked about pre-season that, you know, Loxton North probably should have given themselves a non-negotiable that we're not going to have these 100-point blowouts. But unfortunately, yep. it happened. Now it's time to regroup and to, to move forward from that. I would have... I would have been a little bit disappointed uh, with the result that they they came at it with plenty of intent. Like in that first quarter, I thought they really did match Berry actually, and it looked really great that the hold up on the back mm-hmm. line and the composure from Anton Cook mixing it up uh, with um, uh, with Wall back there and and uh, Wilkes uh, getting plenty of touches as well. But mm. yeah, uh, it's still going to be a learning experience. But I really think they need to. Uh, um, set the bar higher in terms of where they're going to let these blowouts go. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough one, Lindsay. I thought, yeah, that, I mean, they, it wasn't just the Proud Boys out. They had Joel Worsfold out as yeah. well. He's their best midfielder. They had Ben Grieger. You know, he's he's the key for them because Ben provides them a really strong target up forward. Um, and they probably didn't have that. I mean, they only kicked the three goals and they were really lacking that big target. So I think they were missing quite a few. And if any team, and Barry were pretty well full strength. And if any team's going to struggle when they've got a few out this year, it's going to be Locks North because yeah. they, they might not have that depth. And, you know, they're obviously coming from a, from a lower base. So I think, yeah, they did a pretty good job, um, all things considered. Yes, no, they wouldn't have liked the, the end result. Um, but, you know, it was like I mentioned, it was only the end of the quarters that they sort of got blown out. See who who um, who went really well for Locks North. I'm just going to try and find his name so I get it right. So bear with me for a second. It's a young fella that's come into the side. I think I might be reading your mind here, mate. Masood Akaso. Masood Akaso, that's the one. Oh. He um, he did some really good things. Very, very sort of hard, tough footballer. Um, I think he's definitely a player to watch for North going forward, that's for sure. Yeah, not, not afraid to lay a tackle. There was one contest. No, not took at all. On, <laughs> took on two demons and won. <laughs> he was rewarded yes. with a free <laughs> kick for his effort. Yeah, and I do remember hearing on the, um, on the broadcast from our – Friends there at Five uh, RM, our broadcast brothers Lockie Winnell and Trevor Nobby Norton. Uh, yeah, even they uh, had plenty of adulation uh, for Young Masood. Yeah, and the other one was Judge Sherpig, second half. I thought he did some some good things. He didn't get a heap of the footy himself, but he won a lot of hitouts. Um, and it might be the, the way going forward. It might be that they can 
play uh, Matty Hample forward a bit more and, and get Judd on the ball. And because um, he was up against Brody Thompson at times, he's mm. up against Tom Finlay, who are bigger bodies. And um, I thought he acquitted himself quite well and laid a few tackles. So that was good to see. Yeah, so, you know, plenty to learn out of that for Locks North. I don't want to sound too much like I'm throwing shade on the effort, but I just want to be real about it. And, uh, you know, look, sometimes tough love is the best love, if that makes any sense. And, and we all have bad games. I'm sure they'll yeah. definitely bounce back. They've been really competitive in the uh, they have. in the previous four games, so they'll be looking forward to taking on the Roos this weekend. That's right, mate. So, and the final game to wrap out, our review of round five. Uh, another, yeah, another big loss, but with a, a bit of an asterisk next to it. Renmark getting the better of the Ruse 15 20, 110 to Barman Monash 4 8 30. Now, yeah, this this was a COVID ravaged Ruse, wasn't it, mate? It was. I think they had close to 20 players unavailable across the two senior teams, which um, I think is only about six in the, in the A grade. But that's, it's, once again, you know, if you're coming from a lower base like these clubs are, if you're missing some of those players, and yeah, there was some quality in there. Ben Drogamala missed, missed the game. You know, he's obviously a star um, and plenty of others too. I think Tarzo Bantolis was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're missing players of, you know, your high calibre in your team, uh, when you're struggling a little bit, then yeah, it is going to have an impact. And oh, but having said that, you know the scoreboard looks bad, fifteen twenty to four six. But I thought for a quite a while there, Barmer when actually matched Renmark. It was just Renmark had that polish, and once they get yeah. the ball on the outside and were able to spread, uh, it was a different ball game. And Renmark were able to move the ball pretty fluently. But when the ball was in tight, Barmer when actually really matched it with the with the Rovers. Yeah, I really love their first quarter, actually. There was a couple of times they won it out the middle, just threw a chaos ball forward, and I think it might have been Geordie Freeman that finished off there with their second mm. goal of the quarter, and I love that, that they're having a go and kind of throwing out the, you know, it, I, I guess if we, we touch on modern AFL, uh, you know, it's all about trying to find the perfect play, but just throwing up that chaos ball up forward, I, I thought it was great to watch, and... You know, it's chaos for Renmark as well. You know, how are they going to respond? And the the Ruse did it quite well, I thought. Yeah, they did. They, you know, there's there's some, a few little issues that they had. I thought they moved the ball really well from defence, particularly from kickouts. Jed Millington did a great job in mm. playing some really attacking footy with his kickouts, finding targets up the middle. Um, it was probably then sometimes though, that they went forward too quickly at times just not you know the remark had the spare number back and they've, they've bombed it forward and, and it didn't work out every time when it did work out it looked great but there were times where I thought where they just could have got the ball just slowed things down got things back on their terms players in front of the footy and then uh, they moved it forward but um, I'll tell you who I was impressed with mate was young Dylan Klingbeal um Where's the helmet? So he stands out a little bit, but yeah. far out. He, his first quarter in particular, um, you know, he was just a tackling machine. Ended up with, with nine, nine tackles for the day, and um, you know, probably the his best game for the football club. And you know, he was really good at negating those Rovers mids in at the contest. And um, like I said, when the ball was in in uh, in that con- contested mode, Barmer were going well, and Dylan was a, mm. was a major part of that. Yeah, yeah. And on Renmark's side of it, uh, look, a very, um, how would you say, it's a, a very Renmark type of game that they were able to play. Get on the outside, get moving, then zone up uh, behind uh, when the 
the ball was forward there on the Ruse uh, defence. And, yeah, uh, you know, saw a great game from Matty Wolford, uh, as always. He's, you know, just so consistent in there as well. So, look, yeah, it's kind of on their merry way, Renmark. But, again, um, yeah, it's still a little concern over accuracy, but I think that's going to come the more they just polish things up this season. Yeah, definitely, mates. And, the, you know, Matty Wolford obviously had his, his regular game. He was very, actually a little bit quiet in the first quarter, but, he, geez, he turned it on after that. But there were some guys who didn't get in Renmark's best plays who I thought, thought deserved to mention. In particular, one that I thought was best on ground by a mile just from watching the replay was Jared Rowe. Mm. Um, you know, he's come back from that knee injury a couple of years ago. It might have taken a little while for him to, to get his um, fitness up and everything like that, but he was outstanding. He was just the link man uh, on, on so many occasions and so damaging with the football as well. Um, Tom Charlton as well, you know, he, he was sort of spending time down back. He's spending time up forward. Um, with a lot of these Remar players, I don't know whether it was because Vase was throwing them around or whether it was just because they were working so hard back and forth. Um, you know, these guys that didn't get, get in the best players, but I thought I had great games. And, and the other one um, was, bear with me while I, while I try and find him here. Um, uh, now, Miss Jenky was in the best players. Uh, oh, Tim Blight. I don't know. I don't know how Tim Blight. He doesn't get necessarily get heaps of the footy each week, but he just somehow manages to fo- manages to find space. Yeah. And it's not just against Barmer Monash; it's every single team he plays against. It's like does bloody bloody stink because nobody goes near the bloke. <laughs> he just he just manages to find space out in the half forward flank or up on the wing constantly, and he's just an outlet for Remark. They'll go to him as often as they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when he gets the football, so often it's uncontested. So he's out on his own. I just, yeah, I just don't understand it, and I think clubs probably need to put a bit of work into him. Yes, it'd be interesting to see uh, what clubs do uh, with the Renmark problem that they face most weeks. Uh, so let's get into the wrap of our independent football uh, from the weekend, and. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a big result uh, in terms of margin here. Uh, Sedan getting the better of Ramco, uh, 2019-139 to Ramco, 5-11-41. And, uh, yeah, uh, it, things, uh, it's struggle town for the Roosters, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're obviously yeah, struggling to back up that flag, and but they come up against a quality team too. Um, the, the Magpies are... Well, they're looking like the biggest challenge of the BSR at this stage, mm. I'd, I'd say. And, um, you know, when uh, Jack Grace is kicking nine goals, that's that's pretty bloody handy, isn't it? So, um, you know, Cam Thompson's been in good form. They're just a well-rounded side and have been for such a long time. And they had the Bradley Walkley. It was a bit of a tribute to Bradley Walkley that day. They had yep. a bit of a fundraiser for um, his family. And um, obviously, they were pretty keen to put on a, a good good display for that as well. So, um, magpies are up and about at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, if we throw back to our uh, chat with Chris Eaton earlier this year, he was uh, so surprised to come into the services of Cam Thompson. Uh, he wasn't expecting him to even return his phone call uh, coming over from Freeling. <laughs> but, uh, mm. yeah, uh, Cam slotted well into the into the mid there and kicking five goals from there. Like, that's, uh, that's what you want from your mids, don't you? You know, to be able to hustle but then finish. Yeah, and they're... They're rare as hen's teeth in independent footy. Generally, your mids, uh, just genuine mids in independence. When they can go forward and kick goals like that, that's when they become really dangerous and, and you generally take your, your whole team's game to another level. So um, he's been a great get for the, for the Magpies, that's for sure. 
That's it. And, uh, yep, hats off to the Swans this week, uh, getting their first win for the season. Uh, Paringa 16-6-102, defeating Brownswell 12-5-77. A close one uh, for both the win, well, who were the winless teams of the competition, but uh, Paringa getting the job done at the Ponderosa. Yeah, it was um, not, not a shocker because, I mean, Paringa were – Pretty good the week before against um, against Sedan Cambry. They uh, took a ride up to the Magpies that day, um, you know. But they obviously done the uh, the hard yards on the back of some of the the forward work from Dean Hill, kicking kicking nine goals. I know you were a big fan about that, mate. You were te- texting me over the weekend, telling me the fridge was up and about. So um, it's he good to see him is. kicking. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see him. He's dropped something like fifteen kilos or something like that this year, and and looking in uh, in good nick. So. Um, Browns will be pretty disappointed, though. I, I think you know they they would have. We mentioned last week they would have looked at this game going, okay, this is the one we we're going to win, um, but obviously uh, unable to to do so. They would have been yeah, pretty disappointed um, to not get that one. But that's okay. They they can bounce back. They've been competitive all year, bar one game, um, and I'd expect them to continue being competitive, and they will get a win by the end of the year for sure. Yeah, it's definitely coming, and you know if uh, I. I, to be honest, um, I I think this was a lot closer uh, than probably where I thought it might have been. I thought, you know, Paringa having a little bit more prowess up forward might have exposed uh, Brownswell a little bit. But, yeah, you got to hand it to him for sticking it in there. And, um, yeah, it, it, it can't be that far away, this win. No, no, I wouldn't have thought so. And, you know, um, Aaron Bullard's doing good things out there. And it's, it's just great to see them once again be competitive. And um, Pringle were winning this game by over 100 points last year. So yeah. to get within a few goals of them is, um, is a credit to the footy club and, and to what they're doing out there. And the other game uh, from the independent football on the weekend, uh, BSR 17-10-112 defeating Wonka 8-250. I've got a feeling, Dillo, that this is going to be a roller coaster season for the dogs, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that with uh, Shane Schulz a little bit later. But yeah, I, I thought this one would have been a lot closer, to be honest. Yeah, um, you know, they one could have played a really good game, obviously the week before to beat Ramco, but only just fell over the line. But they've, they've come up against a team that is. And we called at the start of the year that they are uh, going to be very tough to beat. Um, you know, they've brought in some quality players, Matt Clark from last year and then Cam Horseman this year, who are just absolutely dominating the competition at the moment. So yeah, you feel for Wanker a little bit. They do have, have some players out. They've got a few to come back in. Um, when they do, they'll, they'll certainly uh, sharpen up a bit. But, yeah, that's a big loss, 62 points. It's a, it's a big percentage denter. But yeah. It really puts the pressure on them because if a Pringo or a Brownsville does get going, um, those, that fight for a spot in the, that first semi-final is going to be critical. Yeah, and with only the 16 competition as well this year, yeah, every every point, every bit of percentage counts. So you can't afford really to have um, have a day off uh, effectively this season. But uh, not to say that Wonka weren't in the game in that sense. But uh, look, you know, they'll bounce back and they'll they'll be better days. But yeah, it's just hard to look past BSR as being the favourite here. And um, well, yeah, it just means dogs have just got a bit of work in front of them. 
Yep, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. yeah, BSR 5 and Zip, I know that uh, the, the coach was up and about on uh, Facebook on Sunday. He, he loves um, loves posting on there and, and um, you know, he's just an, an excited man who's you know, coaching a team that, that's playing for him and um, and playing playing really well at the same time. So uh, good on Alan and, and good on the Redbacks. Yeah, that's it. While, while you're up and about, you should enjoy those moments and, mm-hmm. you know, you'd uh, and so, so they should be SR because it's a big year uh, for for them to you know be right in the mix of it. So let's uh, move on now to the RFLW and uh, bury a absolutely crushing win there over Loxton North, nineteen sixteen one thirty to Loxton North zip and uh, Stacey Geyer kicking goals just for fun, a, a bag of eleven. <laughs> Just a lazy bag of eleven. We did sort of preempt that last week, if you remember. Uh, that, we did. Uh, she could go to town this week and and go to town. She did so. Eleven goals. I think that would be up around the most ever kicked in by um, in women's football, if not the most. And I think she's got twenty four goals for the season now, which I reckon across the three senior competitions, I don't think anyone's at twenty four. So she's um, you know, given women's games are a lot more low scoring. She's doing a tremendous job at the moment to be on twenty four goals. But Paris. Teast also um, continuing her good form for, for the Demons too. Yeah, that's that's right, mate. We'll talk a bit about that uh, soon. And in the other game, Renmark, 7-5-47, getting the better of the Magpies, 2-4-16. So, yeah, starting to see a bit of form out of, out of the uh, Rovers girls, which is great. That's a big win because Barmer had been travelling along nicely. The only loss they'd had to was to Berry. Um uh, who knows whether the teams were full strength or not, but um, you know, confidence, that's huge for Remark. Um, it puts them, in, in you know, I think, on the same amount of wins as Barmer. I think they are second on the ladder now, so they're actually overtaking them. Um, you know, so that's a, that's a really good confidence booster for the Rover girls. Certainly will be. Well, mate, it's usually we'd get to our special comments man, uh, Liam Jackson, at this point of the podcast uh, here, but... Um, yeah, uh, we don't we don't want to give too much away, but uh, we think he might have had a big weekend in the Mallee that he's recovering from. So maybe we might ask him about that next week. Uh, perhaps we'll have but to. I think I think we will. But in the meantime, uh, let's move along and have a look at some of the big individual efforts over the weekend, and let's get into the lefties Greek Street Eats Riverland MVP. Yes, uh, just like his delicious cuisine, Lefty's put up a delicious cash prize of $500 for the winner, and it's great to have Lefty on board. We sure do, because we love a Lefty's, don't we, Dillo? Nom, 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 nom. That was actually our Facebook post for him this week, was we, uh, that's all we wrote, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> that's <laughs> all you need to say about the man's product, it's that good. <laughs> Exactly right. He's doing some Sunday stuff this week, I think. He's uh, out and about, so check his Facebook page to see where he's going to be. But, uh, yes, this week in the uh, MVP award, it's uh, yeah, another interesting week as it really tightened up at the top of the leaderboard, Linesy. Um, Will Gucci getting nine votes for Loxton. Uh, Matty Wolford uh, got the perfect 10 for Remark, and Matty Hodge with eight for Berry. They've all just closed that gap on Matty Spensley at the top. Now, he'd, he'd broken away, and now those guys are right behind him. So... Uh, Matty Spensley still in the lead on 30 votes. Will Gucci and Matt Wolford just behind on 29. Matty Hodge on 27. Uh, Jake Smith on 22. And Tyson Kent on 20. So one from each team up the top, which is good to see. Yeah, that's it, mate. And uh, I, I guess we do need to acknowledge um, 
a correction on the list this week because we did have a Correct. comment uh, coming in saying uh, Tim Wolford uh, featuring twice there. So maybe, Dillo, you could uh, put a bit of clarity on the uh, votes there for Timmy. Yeah, no, that was my, my bad. I accidentally... Um Popped him on there twice, unfortunately, which does happen from time to time. Uh, but Tim Wolford is on. He's on the thirteen, so he shouldn't be on the uh, on the fifteen. There, like he's he's still on the thirteen votes. So um, that's actually supposed to be Zach Gartry on fifteen. Right, I, okay. I think he might be on there too. Yeah, Zach. Zach sorry, not Zach Gartry. It's actually supposed to be Fraser Sampson on fifteen. So Tim's still on thirteen. Yep, yep. And it's an easy mistake to make because there's so many Wolfords playing for Renmark at the moment, isn't there, mate? Yeah, and when I'm doing these graphics, it's a bloody pain in the bum because I'm just sitting there trying to swap them around and stuff and I see Wolford, Wolford, Wolford. But uh, <laughs> no, it's good to see them all, all three of them playing well, but also Fraser Sampson as well who had a um, another good game on the weekend. That's it. You should try commentating a football game with three Wolfords. <laughs> <laughs> in a, and yeah, in a, in a couple of Austin's thrown in as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, mate, um, that is the Lefties Greek Street Eats Riverland MVP for another week. So let's uh, zoom across and let's go to the Hoops Auto and Four-Wheel Drive Independent MVP Award. Make sure you zoom into the store at Renmark Avenue to see Hoops, Trev and the team to get all your auto spare parts and ARB four-wheel drive equipment uh, because Trev and the team have put up a $500 ARB voucher for all you four-wheel drive heads out there or anyone who's into cars uh, for the Hoops for Auto and Four-Wheel Drive MVP Award. Let's hear it, Dillo. Well, we actually don't have an update this week, Lonzi, because uh, we're still waiting on the votes from one coach. Um, he, who, uh, we haven't been able to get hold of those yet, so we don't have a. I don't really want to go into a full update unless we've got all the votes there. But um, uh, yeah, once we get those, we'll, we'll obviously post them up on the Marks Up Facebook page. So keep an eye out for the for the votes on that one. But um, yeah, some uh, a couple of movers at the top again. Um, we'll, we'll just say that at the moment that uh, we've just sort of broken broken clear. Okay, but we can dive into a little bit of discussion that's been happening on the Marks Up Facebook page this week in relation to the MVP award. And uh, we know that Cam Horseman is uh, quite a consistent vote getter. And we heard from uh, Clint Warhurst this week, uh, Cameron Horseman. Stop it. Stop it. I love it. <laughs> and James Laurie as well. We are talking about uh, Sedan Cambrai star Jackson Lecouture, the Frenchman, and he's just said the lid's off. The lid's off. So, uh, yeah, Jackson got obviously going very well, and so are the Magpies. So, great to have some feedback there from our uh, family, Marks Up family and the Kick-Ons family. That's it, because we love hearing from them. It's almost uh, becoming like a bit of a... Uh a talkback show in some ways uh, here on the Kick-Ons podcast brought to you by MB Roller Doors. So let's move across uh, to the Bailey Bell Lavender Women's MVP. Check out owners Peter and Vicky's Facebook page to see their lavender oils and soaps. Now they're putting up an $80 voucher for the winner along with a whopping cash prize of $500. That's my best um, sale of the century voice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> or oh, could have come on down. Um, yes, now things go very well in the uh, Bailey Bell MVP at the moment. So uh, Paris Teast is the uh, the outright leader at the moment, still on thirty six votes. So she got eight on the weekend. Um, but the big move was Stacey Guy, obviously with her eleven goals. She's picked up ten um, and moved into the top five. So she's on sixteen now. Tessie Mitchell got six. So she actually. Um, 
strangely enough, she got six votes and actually dropped down the spot purely because over in the other game between Remark and Barbara Monash, Ellie Fry from the Rovers got 10 votes. So she's moved in the second second spot. She's on 29, seven behind Paris Teast. And uh, Darcy Troy also got six to move into third spot. So she's on, on 28. Uh, and Faith Morgan from the Rovers picked up eight votes as well. So um, Paris is uh, the clubhouse leader at the minute, and um, but she's got some a couple of the girls right on her tail at the moment. Yes, uh, we'll see for how long. Uh, but what I'm interested to see in the coming weeks I can't wait to see the head-to-head battle between Paris Teast and Darcy Troy here because they're two very up-and-about girls at the moment of this season. And uh, we'll have to take a, a glance at the draw, but it's not this week, so it must be coming up soon. That, I reckon it's round, two, uh, oh, round seven, so yeah, uh, so you're two weeks from now. Should be yeah. a good one. Yep, so we can't wait for that. So that is the weekly update for the Bailey Bell Lavender women's MVP. Well, Dillo, what do you reckon, mate? Is it time to get a guest on? I think it is, mate. And what a guest he is. I've been very much... I've been looking forward to getting him interviewing this guy for... Years. So it works out very well, the timing of our next guest, uh, coming off such a big win over the weekend at the Russell Ebert Tribute Match. Joining us is a man who made his A-grade debut in 2015 as a 16-year-old, and he's there now as the Loxton captain. It is Jesse Will. Jesse, welcome to the Kick-Ons podcast. Cheers, lads. Thanks for having me. Great, mate. Great to have you on board. And uh, also, I must say, great to have another Cats fan on the Kick-Ons podcast. You're the first one to come on. So you can come on anytime you like, mate. Hang on. He's the first one who's admitted it. And let's let's be honest, this could be the last time he's coming on. <laughs> well, Jess, uh, yeah, uh, what a thrill it must have been uh, to pay homage to a Riverland football legend on Sunday. Uh, were Russell's feats mentioned in the lead-up to the game in uh, – in Dylan Millard's address? Um, yeah, it was mentioned a little bit. I think um, a lot of the lads obviously knew a bit about um, Russell and what he'd achieved through his footy career um, and whatnot like that. So, um, yeah, it was mentioned, but at the same time, we were we were pretty focused. It was a pretty big game for us. Um, you know, we were looking down. We were sitting two and two. Um, and, yeah, really we're looking for that win to to really push ourselves up into that top four. So it was um, it was definitely mentioned, but, yeah, um, probably as well focused on our game as well. And what a win it was, mate. You, you, you sort of dominated from start to finish. You know, Wakery held on for most of the day, but, you know, you guys sort of felt like you had them under control. You guys beat them early on last year, but this win felt, I don't know if it was the same for you, but it felt like it had more substance. And do you feel like you're more of a genuine premiership threat in 2020? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, we've gained a couple couple extra guys this year with Luke Harder um, and then John T. Bates as well, returning back to the club. So they've been massive for us so far through this first round of footy. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely we're, you know, our focus is just game by game, getting better and better um, every week. So, yeah, I think we, you know, we know where we're at. Um, we know that we've still got plenty of room to improve. But, yeah, definitely um, a good feeling around the club um, through the A grade and, and the B grade as well. And nearly 4,000 people packed in to watch the game on Sunday. What was it like out there? And did it have a bit of a grand final feel about it? 
Yeah, well, I don't know about grand final. I um, I actually haven't played in in too many <laughs> grand finals through footy, but um, definitely, you know, looking back on last year, um, playing in a, in a semi and a prelim, um, it definitely had a bit of feel to that, um, you know, and I think it showed. Both teams came out um, with plenty of energy, and it was quite an intense battle, you know, through that whole first half, and then we were lucky enough to. To get a few on the board early in the third quarter to give ourselves a bit of bit of breathing space. And you mentioned earlier guys like Luke Harder and, and John D. Bates have come into the football club and had an immediate impact. But there's also guys like Will Gucci, obviously last year, and Lockie Evans, Jack Evans, and of course your coach Dylan Millard um, have all come into the club. So what has their impact been? And for you, you know, being a, a Loxton bloke your whole life, what's it been like having these guys come in to your football club and um, you know, help to get you guys back up the ladder? Oh, it's definitely, it's been huge, you know, um, with the return of, you know, Gooch and bringing back the Evans boys, um, you know, they were they were massive for us last year um, and, and have continued that form on through this year. Obviously with Jack, um, we're still yet to see him this year, but um, yeah, he showed last year how much damage he can do as well. So they've all been massive. And then um, with Dylan, oh, he's, he's been probably one of the biggest driving forces to the success of the club so far. Um, and yeah, I think everyone's everyone's jumped on board, and he's really brought a new spark to the club, um, which everyone's taken taken on. And yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty good feeling at the moment. Now I understand you normally miss a fair chunk of footy, uh, being in the USA. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you get up to over there? Yeah, so um, straight out of school, so I finished school in 2016, and. Um, Always thought about getting back over to America. I went over there for a bit of a basketball scholarship um, with SA Country. Uh, what year was that? Back in 2015, I think. Um, so, yeah, I always loved it and then went over there and applied for Camp America. Um, so it's just going over there, working at one of the private private summer camps that are a massive thing over there. Um, so I was lucky enough to get placed at a camp called Independent Lake Camp um, and went over there for about 10 weeks it was teaching and teaching basketball and driving a water ski boat oh, teaching kids how to water awesome. ski so yeah it was a it was a pretty tough tough gig <laughs> over there you know um but yeah absolutely loved it and um what turned into well wanted to be a one-year gap year type thing turned into a three so yeah i think um yeah that goes to show how much i really enjoyed it nice so Very how good, do you mate. go on the skis mate i gotta ask yeah, yeah good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big skier, always, like, growing up on the river, you know, mum and dad always got me into it, and then plenty of family, friends always had ski boats and stuff like that, so yeah, um, don't mind, don't mind hitting the water in the summertime, that's for sure. Now, Absolutely. Jesse, a cat's man and a skier, you can, do you want a job on this show, mate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I think you guys are doing a pretty good job, I'll leave it up to you boys. I think uh, Lancey might have the man crush going at the moment, which is which is great. <laughs> now, obviously, now you're back, um, and you've—I mean, I think you played nine senior games last year, but this year you've been made made captain as well, mate. What an honour that must be to become skipper of the team that you grew up playing for. Yeah, it was huge, huge honour for me. I was um, very humbled and um, yeah, very grateful that Dill, you know, came up to me during the preseason. I think it was, um, and and put the offer out there for me and. Um, yeah, it was something that I was a little bit nervous for, for sure, um, being, you know, a bit bit of a younger captain. But um, with the blokes around me, like, we've got lots of players with a lot of experience, you know, your Luke Carters, your Jack Evans, um, 
and all those types of people. And then obviously Dylan Millard as well with all the all the knowledge that he's brought across. Um, yeah, they've made it. They've made it an easy transition for me, and something. Yeah, I'm starting to. You know, I'm enjoying and I'm really enjoying, yeah, the whole thing. That's great to hear, mate, and uh, enjoying your football as well. And we got to talk about that assist that set up Nathan Flight <laughs> for that goal of the day, mate. Look, can you just run us a bit through it? How much of it was just instinct and, like, it must have been, must have felt great to be part of that moment? Yeah, it was good. Um, probably one of those things that just come by instinct, you know, if I'd a bit of basketball and volleyball and all those types of sports that come – you know, with those quick reflexes, so I think it was just one of those moments where I might have just seen him out the corner of my eye and hope hope for the best and hope it come off and look good. And yeah, it was lucky enough that it did. It definitely did, mate. It was uh, it certainly brought the crowd to their feet as well. Got the crowd right into the day, and it was just what what the game needed too. So it was um, ripping assist and a ripping goal from Flighty too. Um, you must be really excited at the potential of this team moving forward, mate. After such a you know, a lean patch, and um, obviously you're only there sort of partway parts of the season previously, but with a lot of young guys in that 18 to sort of 24, 25 age bracket, is that really exciting time for you and also the footy club as well? Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know we've we've had a couple of meetings throughout the year and set some expectations and some goals that we'd like to achieve through the year. Um, obviously still taking it that one week at a time. Quarter by quarter is our kind of mentality and then um, just looking to improve game by game. So, yeah, we, we're obviously very excited. Um, you know, we've still got five, four or five blokes from the weekend as well to still come into our team. So um, it's making, you know, everyone work that little bit harder during the week to keep pushing for those spots through the A's and the B's and, um, with the Bees being so competitive as well at the moment and um, off to a flying start, you know, we've got players in there that are, that are putting their hand up as well. So, um, it's a, yeah, it's a really, really exciting time for us, I think, especially, you know, off of the last couple of seasons, excluding last year, um, you know, with limited success through the club, I think. Um, yeah, it's good to see that everyone's starting to enjoy that footy again and when you've when you got that winning culture... It gets a bit addicting for us guys that, you know, haven't had that much success through the last five years. So, um, yeah, really exciting times. Before when we uh, you, you mentioned the uh, the goal there with uh, Flighty, you mentioned a little bit of a basketball influence in there. Look, mate, do, do I hear right that you might have won a basketball best and fairest recently? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might, yeah, you might have that room a bit true. Yeah, yeah. that's correct, but... <laughs> Didn't, unfortunately, Dylan and Dylan and the Barmer crew got us in the grand final, so he holds he holds that over us. Like myself, um, Shay Langey and Brandon Tregeagle, we all play for Loxton, and yeah, he um, brought us. We went back to his house on uh, against the Barmer game, back to his house for presentations, and he had the had the flag hanging up in his <laughs> in his backyard in the in the outdoor area, just reminding us that they'd won the flag. So. Um, it would have been nice to get that one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very nice of Dylan. They're just uh, you know, keeping the boys in their place. I like that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't mind a cheeky little reminder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's great to hear that you're a good sport about it, mate. And uh, well, and and kind of an all-round sportsman as well. So it's uh, great to chat with you and get to know you a bit more, mate. And uh, yeah, we wish you all the best uh, for the rest of the season, and hopefully we might chat with you again. Yeah, beautiful. Now, cheers, boys. Thanks for thanks for having me on.
So that was Jesse Will, Loxton's captain and uh, the man who was involved in one of the big moments at the Russell Ebert tribute match. And, mate, not only that, I've got to say, I'm loving it here on the Kick-Ons podcast that we can actually talk about the hoops. Oh, mate. There's only one lot of hoops, and that's when Loxton North wears them, mate. We're not talking about Geelong ever again on this podcast because I'm done with them. <laughs> I'd imagine you would be being a Lions man. But, yeah, good point, though. I do actually like it when Locks and North bring out the hoops uh, for the uh, for the proud cup match. Uh, so looking forward to that to this season. But, uh, look, mate, let's get uh, on to our next segment because uh, our Marks Up Boffin analysts have delivered the stats that matter. So let's talk dream stats here on the Kick-Ons podcast brought to you by MB Rollerdoors for installation, service and repairs. So let's have a look back at, uh, yeah, the stats for round five. Well, probably the big one is uh, Teaser, Luke Teasdale, uh, set the uh, season record for disposals, picked up 44 touches um, in Berry's big win over, over Locks North and just had the had the ball on the string in the second half. I think he had 24 of those in, in the second half and um, he was just he was just everywhere. And, I mean, you, you watched that game as well and, um, you know, just... He's just in and under. He, you know, he runs hard both ways. He was just everywhere, wasn't he? Yeah, it just felt like one of those games where he everything just clicked for him on the day, and he was he was like as you said, he's always right in there. And it looked like he commanded a bit more time in this contest to get those disposals out of the contest and make them really count. Um, I know sometimes Luke. Cops a bit of whack for trying to give off the handball too too quickly and all that stuff, but I reckon we've seen a much more measured approach um, in terms of uh, his disposal choices at the contest. And now, well, the stats are there; they don't lie. Yep, correct. And the other big one, obviously, is Brody Hill oh. from Locks with thirty four. Yeah. And uh, you know, you you watched that game as well, mate. And he uh, obviously had a ripping uh, ripping match there too. Oh, he did, mate. That just uh, demonstrated Loxton's. Dominance, no, you know, forward, mid, but Brody's role out of defence there, mate. That was that was a huge match uh, for Brody. And it, uh, did I hear right that he had ten years away from the game, and now he's only just come back in the last few years? It could be right. Oh, I, I'm pretty certain it's the same guy that I used to play footy against as a a young fellow. I reckon he used to play for Locks and North from yeah. memory. I could be wrong. But I remember there was a Brodie Hill that I thought played for Locks North, and I'm pretty sure he's around my age and had he's had a fair bit of time away, and he's come back and uh, and playing some really good footy for the Tigers at the moment. Yeah, mate, making a big statement there as uh, one of the big accumulators, and uh, Timmy Wolford up there again uh, with 31 disposals, uh, along with Jared Rowe, just the one behind him with 30. And you mentioned Jared a bit in our wrap of the Renmark game, and just how he's really found himself again after that. Uh, tough uh, battle with his knee injury, so uh, great to see. Yeah, and we'll talk. Might as well cross over to the dream team points now because Scunny's um he's carved it up there. Oh, I thought he was easily the most influential player on the ground. Matty Wolf also had an amazing game. Don't get me wrong, but I thought um, Jared was uh, superb on the weekend. So he's 
to rack up his 146 Dream Team points, is uh, 23 kicks, seven handballs, 12 marks, four tackles, and two goals. One. It was a, it was a ripping day for for Scun. Um, and then 149 points, just beating him was Matty Wolford. So 24 kicks, five handballs, 13 marks, uh, two tackles, and three goals. One. Um, both of those boys just had huge days, and they were a massive part of the uh, the big win over over the Roos on the weekend. Yeah, indeed. And uh, if we just look at the kicks as well, Brody Hill in there again with 26 kicks out of his uh, 34. So very, very accurate by foot there, I must say, as well. And also Sam Butterworth as well. Plenty of kicks this week as well. And the question was asked, <laughs> or sorry, I should say the comment <laughs> was made by his uh, uh, his teammate Ben Drogamuller, uh on the Marks Up Facebook page. Handballing is o- overrated, eh, Sam Butterworth? And, and Butts' reply was uh, ben, to Ben Drogamala was uh, someone's got to kick it. So a little bit of a uh, little bit of a laugh between those boys. But he's finished the game with twenty was it twenty five kicks and and one yeah. handball. Is it that what we looked at? So yeah, it's um, a big kicking day. Just maybe he's just looking at the dream team stats, knowing that you get an extra point for the kick. But we should we should just quickly mention as well though. Um, we're not going to delve too much in the last weeks. But what about the comments about Tommy Finlay from last week's stats, oh, mate? That was. That was we, we need a prize for the uh, so if it, any sponsors out there would like to get onto the marks up uh, and kick ons podcast bandwagon and uh, sponsor comment of the week I just absolutely love this one because uh, uh, someone who knows Tom Finlay got onto him uh, about <laughs> Tom Finlay when am I going to see your name on these lists. So the big man himself, the roaming pig, mate, he's all character. His response to that comment was, uh, they don't count taps on the bums as a stat, but I'm leading in almost touches. <laughs> it's just classic Tommy Finlay, I think. So, yeah, the old bum tap, he uh, clearly goes all right in that stat. But uh, he's been been featuring pretty nicely, though. He, he might not be at the top of some of these uh, stat pools, but he's always around the mark. So he's going uh, well, the big roaming pig. Now, what about handballs, mate? Look, you teased Al at the top, but somebody who's a, um, not a, a shock at number two, but um, it's great to see a young fella in there. Yeah, Harley Campbell uh, with 14 uh, in the game on the weekend. So also, um, you know, just around the contest, he looked really controlled for a young fellow, taking on some of the bigger bodies to get the to get the ball out and uh, really complimented Will Gucci, who wasn't far behind him at all with uh, 13 handballs as well. So there was uh, plenty of uh, extrication around the contest there for Loxton, which proved to be uh, one of the differences on the day. Most definitely. As we look at marks, mate, it's a trio of Remark players at the top. Matty Wolford on 13, Jared Rowe on 12, and Tom Charlton on 11. And that just shows that uncontested game where Remark get that spread. They get the blokes out, out on, on the open and able to move that ball pretty freely. And uh, those three being at the top. And Ricky Garrett coming in with nine as well. So the the four of those guys um, you know, getting plenty of uh, uncontested marks just through sheer work rate. And if we're counting defensive marks as well, Jack Burgermeister was really up there uh, mm. for Wakery with eight. And uh, I think, you know, contested defensive marks should almost count for two points if we're ca- counting uh, Dream Team points because yes. they, uh, they mean not so much. They mean a lot more, but they're a little bit harder to take. And, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, there's just a little bit more pressure when uh, when your game's on the line there. But uh, we need to mention um, Tom Charlton's 11 marks there got a bit of attention from uh, uh, Luke Anthony on the Marks Up Facebook page. Now, 
I think, Dillo, if we go back, this might be the same uh, Luke Anthony that we heard from earlier in the season. Oh, not noodle arms. Yeah, I think it's noodle arms. Oh, noodle arms. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, no, yeah. it's good. Keeping, keeping Tommy honest. That's it, mate. So, uh, Luke, uh, thank you very much for the banter, mate. We love it on the uh, Marks Up Facebook page. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's good to see uh, a returning uh, visitor to the Kick-Ons family there, Dillo. Definitely, definitely. And we, as we look at tackles, mate, great to see. We mentioned him earlier, Dylan Klingbill up the top with nine. I just love the way he went about it on the weekend. Uh, his little partner in crime up, uh, up forward, Matty Wucky with nine as well. You just love to have... Guys that tackle and just hunt, hunt the player with the footy, it's particularly if you're, you're a forward like Matty is, um, and Matty Hodge with eight, Lockie Evans and Jonty Bates, and Lockie Nitschke with seven each. Yeah, so uh, plenty of tackling pressure around the place. And, uh, yeah, your boy uh, Matty Watke uh, right up there, Dillo. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a sec in terms of our uh, Dream 6, how that's travelling. But... Uh, the uh, exclusive club of the big men in the hitouts department. Well, it was uh, Craig Fisher getting the business done. Thirty-four tapouts for the Tigers. Yeah, good to see Big Fish up there. He, he played a pretty good game against the, the Magpies on the weekend. 30, 34 hitouts is uh, is quite a large amount. Brody Thompson on thirty-one. Uh, Mason Middleton twenty-eight. Zach Gartry with only a twenty-one this week. But it's interesting to note that uh, they they shared it around. I don't think Zach actually played. All his time in the ruck. I know Alex mm. Haynes spent some time in there. Um, you know, uh, Jack Austin got quite a few around the ground. So they and Tim Blight as well. So they did share it around a little bit there. So that, that could potentially be why his numbers are a little bit lower this week. So there we are in the ruck department, and uh, of course in the goals, uh, Jason Wesley topped them with a bag of six against Loxton North, and uh, yeah, part of that uh, that late salvo uh, that really. Um, yeah, turned into a blowout there uh, at uh, Panther Park and Matty Hodge with four as well. And uh, we must also mention uh, Matty Spensley, his bag of four that kept uh, Wakery in the game and uh, made for an entertaining mm. uh, game out there at uh, Loxton Oval on the weekend. Yeah, and the other one's Rory Moroni kicking three. The young fellow is just growing with confidence. I love love when he gets the ball. He just looks like he's going to dance around his opponent every time. And um, yeah, he's a pretty fleet-footed young young fellow, and like the like the way he goes about it. Yep, and uh, Nathan Flight as well. Um, it, we urge a- anyone who hasn't seen the game from the weekend to jump on the RFL Live TV website and uh, yeah. Take a look at the at this uh, footage of uh, Nathan Flight making his return to A grade football there in uh, in his effort there with three goals. So great to see. So look, Dillo, we mentioned last week we've got our dream six. Now we uh, we're going to revisit this in a few more weeks' time in terms of how that looks, how they're travelling in points. But could you just give us uh, just a little bit of a summary how yours went this week? Well, I think they went better than yours because you had two outs. So yes. uh, no Ben Drogamala and no Jack Hobbs for you. But uh, the the uh, little fella, Matty Wucky, nine tackles, and I think that's a big tick. Tommy Finlay, maybe a bit of a quieter game. So we'll, we'll sit on him for a little bit. Will Gucci, once again, uh, playing some really good footy. You know, he was up there in the possessions. Tyson Kent, um, probably a little bit down this week. But, you know, he he was up against a pretty tough Berry side. Fraser Sampson was... Um, 
crucial for Remark just uh, dominated across half back and uh, and Stevie Braun um, you know just doing Stevie's thing so I think they went okay I think uh, you, you probably had a couple of actually you had three outs in the I weekend but three. some of your players I, were quite yeah. outstanding yeah because yeah. I had uh, Luke Carter out Matty Hodge five. obviously had a good game though yeah, yeah, indeed. So, uh, yeah, so Matty Hodge and uh, Matt Spensley did the heavy lifting for my Dream 6 as well as uh, Josh Vader. So, um, yeah, uh, sorry to put it all on, on you three boys for this weekend, but I'm sure once our um, other fellas come back, we're going to have a big week next week, I am sure. So that's Dream Stats uh, for another week here on the Kick-Ons podcast brought to you by MB Roller Doors. Now, Dilly, just before we move on to our next segment, look, putting all these stats together, it's something that we've uh, joined forces on and uh, it's a uh, it's a bit of an effort on both of our behalves, but we, we think that you know, the stats need to be out there in terms of uh, recognising the efforts by all the guys that go out there and make our game of Riverland football. But, uh, you know, it would just be a lot more easier um, if we, uh, if anyone would like to come on board as a sponsor. Oh, definitely. Certainly take the pressure off us. And, um, you know, it, it does take a lot, lot of time. It's about 10 hours worth of work each week between us. And, um, you know, we, we love bringing the stats to people and, and we want to keep doing it. But, yeah, we'll just see how we go. We, we just need someone to hop on board as a sponsor if they can. And, um, you know, just to, you know, obviously get, get their business name out there as well because they are getting a lot of traction on, online, which is great to see. And um, if somebody does jump on board, I'm sure they'll be uh, very pleased with uh, what they get out of it because uh, they're providing a, some great local content for um, for the local league, that's for sure. It certainly is. So enough with the sales pitch. Now, here on the Kick-Ons podcast brought to you by MB Roller Doors, we are absolutely blessed to have an appearance by an absolute legend of Riverland football. Now, this man has played over 300 games for Wanka. He's a four-time Duffy medalist, member of the 38 independent champions in 38 years. He's a seven-time A-grade best and fairest, RFL life member, and arguably the greatest independent footballer of all time to pull on the boots. He is Shane Schulz. He is with us on the Kick-Ons podcast for the first time. Welcome aboard. Yeah, great to be with you, fellas. Yeah, thank you, my man. Look, you're on the verge of 800 goals this season. We heard some intel come in from uh, uh, football, and and he's an ex-Wanka man as well, the legendary Peter Lyons, uh, telling us uh, you're on the verge of 800 goals, which is obviously a big milestone, but we understand you might have a bit of a hamstring setback at the moment. Is that true? Oh, yeah, just a little niggling one that's um, stemming from a bad back. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, in the mend in the next few weeks. And i uh, been training a bit, but, uh, um, yeah, tweaked it a bit on last Thursday. But uh, we'll uh, get the things fixed up and uh, hopefully uh, be back on the, on the field soon. Too much time out in the tractor, mate? Uh, yeah, that doesn't really help going over a few bumps and stuff <laughs> like that. We're lifting a few heavy things and, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Anyway, that's all finished now, so um, hopefully we can yeah, concentrate on the footy a bit more. Beautiful. Now, the goals are a big milestone, Lonzi, but I reckon it's probably the way that Shane's gone about it over the journey for the Dogs that has made him such a revered player in independence. And, and we'll talk a bit about that elusive flag later, but Shilty, what's been the highlight for you over the years, you, you know, your long time involved with the footy club? Oh, just, um, you know, a lot of, lot of great people have come out there. Um, you know, you mentioned one for Peter Lyons and you know, Mark Griffiths and that and uh, Mark Rudiger as well. Um, 
you know, play a lot of footy with those guys. Um, just the atmosphere of the club, um, you know, everyone seems to get along well out there and, um, you know, we just sort of have a good time and um, no one's seems to belittle anyone out there or anything like that. So it's, um, yeah, we're just, we're just there for a good time and, and what, what comes along, if we can get something at the end of it, it's, um, it's a bonus. Yeah, indeed, mate. Now, we don't want to talk too negatively about the season, but look, it has been a bit of a, a little bit disappointing coming off those losses to BSR and Saddam, but do you think the boys will bounce back? Because I believe it's an aberration. Oh, for sure. We, um, we haven't, we've been a bit undermanned in some of those games. Um, yeah, you know, myself and, and a few other guys um, working away. And a few other injuries and that, and we've picked up a couple of extra players as well. So um, yeah, I think once we can get a full full side on the on the park um, and everyone fit and well ready to go, it's um, the, the mindset. I think this year is as good as any year to um, have a little crack at it. And we'd love to see you do it, mate. Um, particularly yourself, we've obviously been around the the club for such a long time. You, you made your Colts debut all the way back in 1986. It's a long time ago. I was only a, three years old at that time, mate. And you were running around kicking the footy, um, but obviously you missed out on those flags back in the, in the 70, 74 and 76. Is that what drives you to keep playing to get that premiership, or is it more now? Has it shifted to playing alongside your lad Tarquin? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, that's you know that's what every sort of father's dream, I'd, I'd imagine. And um, you know, being blessed to. Have a few years with him now, and even my second son Logan played a couple of games with him as well um, a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's just a um, it, whatever whatever happens with you know the, with the premiership side. But you know, it would it'd just be good to um, yeah get up and and win one. But uh, it's yeah, I think. With, with the new young guys coming into the club now, um, you know, they're, they're fairly well driven to um, have a bit of success. So, um, and, yeah, I'm more more willing to sit alongside them. And, and no, I feel a bit bad, Lindsay, because, unfortunately, back in 2009, when Wanka made the grand final, uh, we played down in Marook, didn't we, Schultze? And we, we played an absolutely ripping game of football out there and we sort of toed and froed all day and we, we got the chocolates. But I'll tell you what, I've... You, you have a celebration straight after the siren, but afterwards I actually felt bad like because we we want Wanka to win just as much as anyone else because they're all great blokes out there. And, you, know, you walked in, into the rooms, I saw Schultz there and a few of the boys and actually felt like a bit of a prick so, <laughs> um, robbing you guys of, of that moment. And it was such a great day, wasn't it, as far as the support you guys got that day. Um, I remember it being a huge Wanka crowd and I think everyone in the Riverland wants you guys to win. Like. Yeah, for sure. It was, um, yeah, it was one of, you know, massive day. Um, you know, for both clubs, I think it was, and um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't come away with that. But um, like you said, it was just, a, um, you know, it was so close all day, and I think we come sort of hit the lead in the last. Um, uh, it might have been fifteen minutes to go, I think it was, and um, and you know, just I felt a bit of euphoria um, running down the ground and that, and um, but yeah, just it wasn't to last, and um, like Anthony Lippis took that mark and. I think someone else kicked a goal before that. So um, yeah, Lloyd yeah. kicked that one that uh, bounced over the pack and bounced on right angle. So it's one of those games that could have gone either way. That's right. And, and you know, speaking of the crowd, it just um, it just got bigger as the game went on. You know, I think um, RFL had their game down Wakery that day, and um, they just pulled in on the way back, and it just was real electric at the um, in that last quarter. So and you just but, touched. Yeah, 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 I'd imagine it would be. Yeah, and. 
looking back on on what could have been. But look, looking forward to the future a little bit. Uh, you mentioned uh, your son Tarquin just before, and uh, he's becoming quite a star in his own right. So, how proud have you been as a father to watch the development of his game in the last few seasons? Oh, extremely proud. Um, you know, as, a, as a junior, he'd done a bit of juniors in Loxton and that sort of stuff, and um, um, learned quite a bit in there. And um, yeah, he's really, really taken on the, hit the front foot. And um, I think we played him quite young um, out in the A grade. Um, just to get him a bit of skills up and um, get him to experience that, you know, bit of harder football. And he's, um, yeah, really gone, learned from that and, and gone forward. Um, yeah, sometimes I've got to give him a bit of a reality check and tell him to keep a, keep a look out. Now, now Lance, do we had one message from our coaches whenever we played against Wanka was don't kick it to Schulte because every time we play, we, opposition teams have this knack of um, kicking it to him. But I think it was more uh, shame we just read the play so well and he was, he was near unbeatable in the air. And like we mentioned, he's one of the best players to ever play independent footy. But Shane, did you ever give serious thought to taking your footy further? Because I'm sure that some clubs came came and knocking. Now, did you play for Loxton no. or Loxton North at all? No, yeah, I had offers. Um, you know, the late David Crutchfield was, you know, it was his yearly sure, I think, to um, ring me up. And <laughs> yeah, I think he was quite... Uh, keen at the start of the phone call but um, by the end I think I left him a bit disappointed but um, yeah it, it, looking back it probably would have been a thing to do but I'll say every year that came around you know, we'd have a coach or we'd have recruit some more players and I'll get that inkling of um, you know this could be the year or whatever so um, and I still get that now you know with, um, under Tommy Wood Beefy he's um, yeah he's done a real good job out there so um, I'm still pretty keen to, to yeah to have a crack now, mate, your name is firmly etched in the history of Riverland football. And if I could just um, indulge me for a sec, mate, I just want to read a quote from Peter Lyons' book, uh, The History of Football in the East Murray District. Shane reads the play so well, dropping a kick behind the play to take marks or to run forward to outmark smaller backmen. Do you think that still summarises your game or do you think that's changed a little bit over the years? Oh, for sure, it's changed a bit. Um, the mind still says go and do it, but uh, the body says otherwise. Um, yeah, but I still like to have that bit of a run. And um, yeah, just uh, I think sometimes uh, Tommy Wood, the coach, he um, pulls me back a bit more. He says, "Don't do much," um, because that's when the old hamstrings seem to go. But um, but yeah, like just as far as reading the play, it's it's it was always keeping the eye on the ball. Um, and, and, you know, chuck one eye out to the side and see what the other proposition's doing. Um, and, yeah, it just seemed to work out for me, I think. So. Oh, we better not let you go, mate, without asking about the, the nickname. It's Tits. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I know very well why you've got it because I've been on the receiving end many times um, and to the point where I'd actually avoid shaking your hand after a game so I didn't get on the end of it. Can you explain to everyone the nickname, how it came about and who gave it to you? Uh, it, it probably came about almost 20 years ago, I reckon. Um, there was a bloke by the name of Andrew Burns who used to play one of, one of my teammates and he was pretty good at giving him himself and, um, yeah, I just thought I'd start giving him back to him and, yeah, I think mine were a bit better than his and I think that <laughs> name stuck, so. Yeah, well, I've been on the end of a few of them lines again. I'll tell you what, the old yeah, nipple cripples from Schultzy, they, uh, they, they stick, that's for sure. You don't, you don't get your way. It's, yeah. it's a firm grip, twist, and you're stuck there. You've got no hope of getting away. Yeah, I try not to do that too much anymore. It's, um, yeah, bad habit, so. <laughs> <laughs> they sound just as legendary 
as your football mate, and uh, with abs, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and meet and meet you because, mate, you just can't talk about Riverland football without mentioning Shane Shaws, and it's just great to have a chat with you, and we wish you all the best for this season, mate. No worries. Thank you very much, guys. Been a pleasure. Well, Delo, I don't know how we can top that, mate. Having Shane Shaws on our show, mate, that was uh, probably one of the big ticks I've always wanted to do in my uh, time here covering. Riverland football as as a, a, a journalist, a commentator, he he's just a rare breed of footballer. He is, and he really is revered within independent footy, and probably Riverland footy to a lesser extent. But those who have played against him or played with him know just how impactful he was or has been during his um, you know, what's it now since I think he made his A grade debut in '93. So um, it's a near thirty year career now. Um, He's been so impactful and, and been such a great servant for the Wanka Football Club as well. And um, you know, he he single-handedly won them games over the years or kept them in it. Um, just a, a ripping bloke to boot. So very glad to have the big fella on. Yeah, it, it was a great chat, very candid. And uh, it's uh, it's unusual that uh, he's so so open and uh, we'd love to have him on here. So, mate, let's uh, let's look ahead uh, to the weekend coming up because uh, it's, uh, it's another big week of Riverland football and the top four could change shape again. So let's get into it with the RFL, the big game this week. It's, uh, it's all the top four sides playing each other. So uh, the first one we're going to look at is uh, the top two in Loxton and Renmark. Yeah, it absolutely is. And Loxton obviously coming off that great win over Wakery, a very tough win, but um, you know, the, they'll come in full of confidence. And you know, this time they get Renmark on their home deck as well, which will be a bit, a bit of a difference. Although you know, they're both pretty big ovals, but you know, they, they should get Luke Harder back from... My mail is it's just a, it was a slight... Um, Strain. It wasn't. A, I think he might have just a, a little bit of a hammy awareness more than anything. So I think he'll come straight back. And he probably could have. He was pretty close to playing on the weekend. Um, I think they'll get John Fisher back as well. Um, so you know that uh, Michael Rockstein still to come back. I'm not sure if he'll play, but they will be uh, up and about. That's for sure. And Remark, you, you just hope that you know you play against a team um, where you get a big win, and sometimes you can come crashing back down to earth this week. So you hope that doesn't happen to the Rovers, but they're a pretty professional outfit, aren't they, mate? Yeah, they certainly are. And what I'm looking forward to in this game is the uh, the battle off half back. You know, you got Fraser Sampson. Uh, Tim Wolford, but then at the other end, you've got uh, Dylan Millard back there, uh, Lockie Bradley as well, who, who was probably someone we uh, we didn't mention in our game review as well a little bit earlier. Um, his influence as well, very mm. hard contested ball getting and all that. I'm, I'm looking forward to see how those lines move on the map if, if we're talking this is battle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. They're going to play probably similar brands of footy um, to a certain extent. Although I think Loxton will probably play that real sort of uh, where they can. They'll they'll try and mix up with Remark's midfielders and throw their weight around. Guys like Will Gucci who you know, love nothing more than contested footy. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing a bit of that. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see. I mentioned it earlier, like. I'd love to see teams, and I don't mean to put the mockers on the bloke, but I'd love to see teams match up more on Tim Bly. I really feel like he's a crucial um, piece for, for Remark in their forward line and just how he gets off the chain so so freely, I'm not sure. Um, you know, and you mentioned as well that he's not the only one down there. Tommy Charlton does a fair bit of it too. So 
they're, they're going to have their work cut out for, for them, Loxon, in trying to curtail guys like that because when they are out in the open, um, you know, it makes it really, really difficult to, to stop those forward entries coming in. You want the, those forward entries coming in with a bit of pressure. Um, you know, the ball hopefully, you know, uh, up in the air, so it gives the defenders a bit of a chance. But at the moment, it's just coming in with such ease for a remark. Yeah, that, that's it. You mentioned those get-out players. And uh, I'm sensing a bit of um, uh, coaching advice, kind of a little bit like what I'm hearing down here uh, with Malcolm Blight this week, suggesting the Crows <laughs> need to go in with two Ruckman. So some very, very <laughs> no, sage- no, no. Sage words from some experienced coaches here. Oh, I certainly wouldn't be uh, telling Dylan Millard what to do because he's um, he's going along very nicely at the moment, and from all reports, doing doing a great job. So, um, but uh, yeah, just from the three three Ramart games, I think I've seen it's yeah. uh, certainly an issue, been an issue for the other clubs. So, um, if he gets off the chain again, do they do they um, you know just maybe get someone just to play a bit, bit more close checking? It doesn't need to be a um, a, you know, a really sort of tagging role or anything like that, but just being a bit more aware of, uh, aware of their opponents, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's going to be a huge one in the context of the top four, just as much as this next game as well, because, mm. um, look, it, you know, the old cliche, uh, you know, a week's a long time in football. Like, Wakeri was sitting second going into the Russell Ebert tribute match. You drop your guard for one week, and now they're sitting fourth. Yeah, that's you know, right. It doesn't take much in a close season yeah. like this, does it? No, not at all. So I think they're going to come back out all guns blazing uh, against Berry this weekend. But again, yeah, this this is shaping up to be a weekend with two huge matches. Uh, look, Berry, I think, is going to be up and about. But I think, you know, yeah, I, I think the discipline's going to have to cut, kick in now because they were able to get off their chain last week. It's not going to be the case this week. No, no, a bit similar to Remark coming off that big win. Barry will have to sort of refocus and, and shift their focus, obviously, to a, a much tougher opponent in Wakery um, on, on Saturday. And you know, and Wakery will be hurting after that loss to Loxon. No doubt that they didn't play anywhere near the brand of football that they're capable of, and they'll, they'll know that, and they'll certainly want to get back to, to their best. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go about it because last time they played, I actually thought Barry had... For large chunks of that game, Barry had the the wood on Wakery. They they seemed to be controlling mm. the play a lot, lot more, um, but probably surprised themselves at, at some points that you know they were right in the contest. Uh, but Wakery just very experienced and, and managed to um, to get the get the chocolates in the end. So they'll Barry will run down there with full of confidence. So and with guys like Luke Teasdale in, in ripping form and Matty Hodging, guys like Brody Thompson too, Jason Wesley kicking six goals. Um, they're going to be pretty hard to stop in the midfield. Yeah, that's it. And Wakeree just uh, looked to have a, a little bit more speed with some of the young guns as well. And they're quite, uh, they're you know, yeah, happy to throw themselves at the contest as well. So mm. you know, Berry, um, you know, aren't gonna just have to look at your at your mainstay players like Spence, like the Spencely brothers. You know, maybe trying to limit uh, Tristan Geeman out the back with Steve Braun and Hoisler. They they're going to have to, you know, keep their eyes wide open around the contest for these young guys. And Tristan's the one back there. I mean, he just sets up so much play for them off half back, and um, you know, quite often Beaver's looking for him when he's kicking out from fullback and trying to, trying to find him. And, and when he does get out, he's normally free and able to run. So he's not just getting a, a 45, 50 meter kick; he's getting 15, 20 meters running in as well. So yeah. he's, he's an excellent line breaker for for the Magpies. And um, and you mentioned some of those young guys there that are doing terrific jobs as well. So you're absolutely right. They're, they're a pretty well rounded team, Wakery. 
Um, but they'll yeah they'll need to step up this week against a pretty quality opponent. Yeah, indeed. So we'll see how that one plays out down at the Magpies Nest at. 2.20 on Saturday afternoon. And the uh, the final match of the round, Barmara-Monash versus Loxton North. The uh, Yeah, the, the door couldn't be any more wide open for North to uh, to chalk up that long-awaited win. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully they get a few of those guys back that we mentioned earlier, like Joel Westfold, uh, potentially Justin Broward, Ben Gregg, get those guys. Um, because, yeah, you're right. This is this is the one. It's gonna If the win's going to come... This year, you'd probably think it's going to come against Barmer Monash. But the Roos are, yeah, they're, they're going okay as well. Yes, they lost big mm. on the weekend, but they're, they're going okay this season. So, I don't know. You, you've watched a, a bit of both teams. If Loxton North's going to win this one, where do you sort of feel like it's going to be won? Oh, look, I feel like it's th- – th- these are the two sides that when they go forward, there's not a lot of structure. It's like watching uh, – you know, it, it's like watching free-flowing water. And I kind of think, you know, that, that seems to be a rusted on part to um, Barmer Monash's attack at the moment. But I think Loxton North, they have the ability to maybe structure up a little bit better, I think. As soon as they can do that, I think that's where they could, uh, you know, probably assert themselves on the contest. Now, who takes on that role up forward? You know, you might think it might come down to Ryan Proud coming back in, just to have a bit more bigger body presence and all that stuff. Oh, great! And Gregor would be the other one. Obviously, and, he's yeah, he straightens them up big time. Yeah, but once they work out what that looks like, um, I, I'm pretty sure that they could really make a fist of it. Yeah, and the, like I mentioned, it could be Maddie Hample spending a bit more time up forward potentially. Um, and likewise for Barmer, does. Does Corey Gilgan stick with uh, Mason Middleton in the ruck or do they throw him forward to really try and stretch North's uh, defence a little bit? Um, there's a chance to chuck Geordie Freeman in the ruck. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, when you've got a, a big ruckman like Matty Hample um, who can do so much damage, it, you'd be a bit reluctant to take Mason out of there, I think, um, given uh, you know, Mason's been in, in ripping form himself. Yeah, and you have uh, mentioned that the last couple of weeks, you know, maybe throwing Mason up forward, but... Did notice in the Renmark game and even in the the last home game uh, that um, Barmer played against Renmark, look, Geordie Freeman's no slouch up forward either. He can slot mm. them. So, you know, may, maybe they don't have to make the move perhaps. There is uh, the potential there that they've got another forward up there to finish. Yeah, and that's the, that's the key, isn't it? They, they need a big... I mean, I know they've used Tommy Lefty out of the square a little bit, um, but they need, a, need another big forward up there I think to really that, that could be the difference between them sort of just winning these games or potentially being a top four team this year um, is getting a, another key forward just to straighten them up and they have used Michael Mock up there a little bit but he's sort of floated between there and sitting half back um, but you certainly like to have him settled down back I think, I think. yeah yeah so we'll um yeah, three big games across the weekend, and uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, what this top four looks like uh, come Sunday night because it's uh, it could change uh, yet again on well, and it will on all these results. But just the uh, the context of it all will surely be unpacking with great interest next week. So in the independence, Ramco taking on Paringa. again. This is another game where I think the doors wide open for Paringa to go two in a row. Yeah, we've mentioned it a 
form hasn't been too, but their form line's good over the past couple of weeks. Taking right up to seeing Canberra, then obviously getting the win against Brownswell and Ramco not tracking that nicely. Having said that, they're at home. I expect Ramco to get a few players back. But so will Bringer. I know that they were missing a couple again on the weekend too. So it's it's an interesting one. I think you know, um, a lot's going to come down to guys like, well, it's going to come down to Pringer's midfield. Zach Fran in the ruck um, had a great game last week. So you want him to continue his form and, and you know, tapping the ball down the Hamish Stanford um, is crucial. But uh, Ramco got a lot of quality players across every line, whereas I don't feel the Pringer has that. The, you know, they've probably got a few guys that uh, are new to the game and still quite young, um, and whereas Ramco have got that little bit more quality. So I think Ramco will win, but it'll be it's going to be bloody close, I think, and um, much closer than the last time they played. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain about that. The other game, the two form sides of the competition, Sedan and BSR, this one's going to be a yeah. This one's going to be a very very good hit out, I think. And uh, look, it, it's probably going to probably set the tone of where these two sides are really at. You know, they've had some uh, some big wins in the last couple of weeks, but look, the field is going to yeah. You could almost throw a blanket over this one. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, getting. The game down at Cambrai puts it back on the Magpies' terms a little bit. Um, somebody threw a stat at me during the week um, and said that uh, since uh, May 2016, the only team to beat Stan Cambrai on Cambrai Oval is Ramco, and they've done that twice. I think there's a couple of draws with Lirip in there, uh, but it's been a long time since uh, some of these clubs have, a lot of clubs have gone down to Cambrai and got, got a win. So it is tough, very tough to win down there. I'm not sure if you've been there, Linesy, but it's a very small very strange oval where you sort of boundary line is on the coach's box side. You're only about 15 metres away from, well, not even that, maybe only 10 metres away from the centre square. It's bloody tough to play on. Having said that, I think BSR, you know, they are a quality side and up up the top for a reason. So if anyone can get it, get the win down there, it'll be the Redbacks. Yeah, so I would, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to get this one done. But it's not going to be easy at all with the Magpies no, on their home deck. Uh, and the final game of independent football for this week is Wanka versus Brownswell. Look, Wanka just been hot and cold the last few weeks. So if Brownswell stick competitive for four quarters here, you know that uh, that win could well happen this weekend. Yeah, and round one they were, were pretty competitive, and yeah. of course in the double header down at. Uh, Blanche Town that day and only went down by 25 points that day. So, you know, getting uh, is it is that Brownswell? Is that right or is it at Wanka? Uh, at Wanka, this one at Wanka. Okay, so that Wanka, yeah, it's it's a, still a big ask. And as Shane mentioned, Wanka will hopefully get a few players back. But if they are going to, um, you know, start this rise up the ladder. They do need to start picking up some wins at some stage, Browns. Well, they've got the pieces there. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And it does take time when you've got a new side like this to, to pull it all together. And you're still getting used to the way each other plays and that sort of thing. But I'd expect one could just still um, take the points in this one. Quite potentially, yes, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they had no conviction in it at all. No, <laughs> quite potentially. Yes. <laughs> so that that must mean that I I think I I don't know. Yeah, no, nah, I think Brownswell could do this. Oh, there you go. There's the. Oh, you're there. on them. Yep, I like I'm it. on them. So you want conviction? Nice. There you go. <laughs> Love it. Well, hopefully yep. the bombers can get the job done for you, mate. 
<laughs> yeah, so, and we look at the RFLW for this weekend. Uh, Wake Ree will have to head down to the Fortress at RFL headquarters to take on the undefeated Berry girls there. Look, mate, it's very hard to look past uh, Berry with Stacey Guy kicking goals just for fun. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be an interesting one because Wakery has they, – they have a lot less players than Berry. So mm. the women's matches, um, yeah, I'm not sure if they're, well, they're supposed to be sharing players. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, whether Berry share a few with, with Wakery or not. Um and the, the way that works out because that could sort of change the dynamic of this game completely. But, yeah, whoever's playing on Stacey Guy is going to have their, their work cut out for them, that's for sure. She's in in ripping form. She only kicked a couple against Wake really in, in the year, I think. But, uh, you know, um, she's, a, she's a quality player and they're going to um, – yeah, some have to keep an eye on her, that's for sure. But then, you know, you've got so many other girls. You know, Kelsey Craig is playing some great footy. Paris Teast is playing good footy. Um, you know, the, I know that uh, Hayden Ward from Westies was up looking at the uh, girls' play on, on the weekend and uh, and he was pretty impressed with what he saw too. So, one for the uh, girls to sort of take on board that they are being watched up here and, you know, could be our next sample stars. Well, that's right. There are four new expansion clubs coming into the AFLW, well, just later this year. So... You know, the uh, recruiters are watching very closely at the moment, girls. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is the opportunity. And the other game, obviously, Barman Monash uh, will be looking to bounce back after last week's, I guess, shock loss to Remark, and they take on Loxton North. But North, the, 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 yes, they lost heavily last week, but they're, they're continuing to build. You know, it's just going to – you think that it's all going to clear – at some stage and a couple of weeks back against Wakery they were very competitive um, can they do the same against Barmer on the weekend yeah that's the big question and uh, Barmer and Monash uh, you know up and about there in the, the mid pack of the competition there so yeah uh, let's see what happens but yeah there's a bit of a challenge there for Locks North especially with uh, Darcy Troy up and about so yeah let's see uh, what, what comes of it on Saturday night uh, to wrap up what will be a huge weekend of Riverland football well Dillo we're there mate we've managed to fit it all in <laughs> again for another huge episode massive episode mate we uh we uh, talked to some uh, footy royalty and up-and-coming captain and uh, managed to fit everything else in between. So it's uh, it's been a big episode, that's for sure. Yep, certainly has. And uh, remember, the Kick-Ons podcast is out every week on the Spotify and Apple podcast networks or find us on the Marks Up Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, drop us a comment there. We'd love to uh, have your involvement in the show. And we're always spreading the word about Riverland football, but we also love spreading the word about Riverland business. So get in touch with our ads team at MarksUpRiverland at gmail.com. Well, Delo, it's been great talking to you for another week about all things Riverland football, and I can't wait for next week. Yeah, it's uh, always always uh, just good around that mid-season time because you really find out who who is who in in, uh, in Riverland footy, don't you? You find out who's going to be the up the top and who's going to be down the bottom, and it's always an interesting time. I always look forward to it. Yep, and we'll unpack all of that next week right here on the Kick-Ons Podcast brought to you by MB Roller Doors Installation, Sales and Service.